So I want to make a few points here along this line. Every believer has been given open door of access to everything that God has made available to them. An open door of access. John 3, Jesus said, He whom God has sent, and God has sent how many are believers tonight? How many are not sure? How many are not going to raise their hand? It's okay. <laughs> but every believer is a sent one. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. But he also said this. He said, he whom God has sent uh, speaks the words of God. And then Jesus throws in this statement here that's always amazed me. He said, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. Meaning, as much as you desire, as much as you are willing to position yourself for. Now, when we talk on these concepts here, it's important to know that willpower is included, but it's not by your own willpower. But in your yes, there will be an empowering presence for you to make choices you've never made before. But God is always the source. Thank you for the one amen. <laughs> so every believer's been given access. Yet it is our mind system, which is our operating system, that must change. The nation of Israel is a picture, right? Still God's chosen people. That's a key part. Thank God we, we're praying. Millions in the earth. Still praying for that. We are grafted in, most of us Gentiles. We thank God for bringing it through those people, through his chosen people. Some, some leaders tell me, well, they've rejected God. I said, so have many believers. He's still, he's still, he's still calling us. Paul said the giftings, and sometimes it's talked, people use that to talk about anointing, but, the, but the, to me, the primary application of that verse is the nation of Israel. He's saying the giftings and callings are irreversible. So we've been given this unlimited kingdom, which is what we really long for. And we have this deep desire put inside of us. That's why he makes us born again. He recreates our spirit. He said, that, that old one, that, no good. So let me recreate you. And let me put you in the same place that I put my son, Jesus, while he walked on the earth. Jesus, fully God, fully man does not ever stop being God, though, on the earth. But he expresses his divinity through his humanity. We're not gods, but we have the opportunity to express divinity through our humanity. Colossians 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus prayed in John 17, didn't he? He prayed that, and, and think about my last statement. It's important to understand the context of that. Jesus never stops being God. But he's operating as a man, but he's still God. Fascinating stuff. But Jesus, what do you pray? He prayed this. He said, God, I pray that the same glory that I've experienced as God that they would have. You're like, 
I'm not God. I know. That's why this is really good news. He's made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the moment you accepted the sacrifice on the cross and surrendered to that. So now he gives you that access and Paul puts language on it where he says we're seated with him in heavenly places. It's not a... The growth that we need is very much a heart issue. It is a heart positioning. It is even not so much what you say, but how your heart is positioned. And the mindset of a continual learner is the posture of a heart. Now, this is really important, what Jesus invited us into. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. What's the number one characteristic of the world system? Burden. It's everywhere. What am I going to do? How am I going to make it? I'm the source of my own strength. Short of bills. I need to pick up more hours. How am I going to do this? My kid's not acting too well. This came. I didn't expect this. I got all these judgments and all these demons on me. I don't even know it. I like my demons. <laughs> <laughs> A struggle, even when you're quote-unquote successful. Remember years ago, I wrote about it in um, my last book. As in Puerto Rico, I had a, a night off, which is rare, and I don't even do this a lot. It was like channel surfing, so I, I like real estate. So, so I started watching this show, on real, this show on real estate, this very successful young man. He's doing really well in real estate. It's about his firm and, and the thing, you know, his real estate firm. He's about to get married, and uh, his fiance is not too happy with him because he's not spending any time helping with the wedding planning. And I remember there's a clip in this that I always jumped out to me. He said, you don't understand. I got how many people working for me, and they depend on me to get the job done so their families can be fed. I said, isn't that amazing? A millionaire who is the source of his own strength. It doesn't pay to serve the devil. It's even worse to serve God and still be the source of your own strength. The heart, wait, wait, so go back to that. Come to me, all you who are burdened, heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's a way of life for believers. It doesn't mean you won't be challenged. It doesn't mean that the enemy won't, won't challenge your mindset. It doesn't mean he won't, try and, he won't try and define you by your present circumstance. It doesn't mean he won't, it'll never work, you know, see you go for it, look, everything's falling apart, look, everything. I mean, he's mentally ill, so think about who you're listening to. So it doesn't mean any of that. But in the middle of that, you go, thank you, Lord. My shoulders are not big enough to carry that. But yours are, so I hand this over to you, and I thank you for rest today. Thank you, I live in the rest of the Lord. And then what do you say? This is really important. 
Jesus never ever said, come hear me preach. He said, learn of me. Learn of me. Learn of me. So the point is, we're supposed to be continual learners. We're supposed to be continual learners. So it's a heart posture. It's not where to go. It's, well... Look at Matthew 18. Hope you brought your Bibles tonight. I love the Word. I can't get enough of the Word. Look at Matthew 18. This is interesting. Verse 1, At that time, disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called the little child to him and set him in their midst. And he said, truly, I say to you, I love the way he puts this, unless you are converted. Let's stop right there. Part of transformation is this. Adam was made in the image of God. He was made to be fruitful and to multiply. He was made as God's representative. The foundation for how God built healthy societies and healthy nations is the family. So one of the ways children are supposed to learn about God is through their parents. And so I don't think it is a small thing here when Jesus, first of all, Jesus models a son of man and how does he relate to God as a father? Part of how we've understood God whether good or negative, has been through our family influences. And I believe he's giving us insight there. In Matthew 18, he said, unless you're converted like a child. So he says, part of changing your thinking, part of a correct heart posture is this, getting healed of childhood or areas in our thought process where we've misunderstood God as a good father and the source of all good. So he says, unless you are converted, he's teaching us there, part of your conversion process is I heal all that trauma. And in that healing, it allows you to have a heart of a child where you can receive me as the source of everything you need as a good father. And become like little children. A child, if it hasn't experienced abuse, if it hasn't been talked down to, naturally, thank God, I can say this, if I was ever to serve the devil, it wouldn't have been my parents' fault. They're not perfect, they're the first person I'll tell you, but it would have been my fault. I would have chose that. Not because they lived the gospel in front of me. To this day, I never doubt when my earthly father tells me he's going to do something. I saw God modeled in front of me. Mm -hmm. 
So he says like that. That part posture is what sets you up to be a continual learner. A child just believes. The tragedy, and this is what you have to, this is what you, this is what you, uh, you have to be aware of. The tragedy is we have been discipled in the world system to be skeptical, to not believe until we see certain things. And even, and I'm not saying you can't criticize or talk about scripture. That's not my point in saying this. But there's a mocking religious spirit that will try and choke people out of your God-given inheritance. How long have you been going to Global River? They would talk about revival all this time. Look, they have all these problems, and now they're meeting again in a tent, right? You know, I mean, like, what's going on there? Like, you know, when's, when's revival? They got all these prophetic words. When are they going to come to pass? Yeah, yeah. And most of the time, most of the time, what it's indicating is hope has been lost and brokenness. Not that you can't prophetically, but here's, here's my heart posture. If you said it, I believe it, and I will trust it till the day I die, and I will never blame you or cause offense to come for me against you. Abner can miss it, but you can never miss it. I'm going to keep following the way. So here's some thoughts to kind of land the plane tonight. Be aware that that's a discipleship area. And you want to keep the mindset of a child. Back to this, though. We are responsible for governing our own hearts. Proverbs 4, I read it every morning. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it, right, flow the issues of life. I, I was thinking maybe we'd touch this, but I, I don't think I want to really, the Lord would have us emphasize that tonight, but here's something to keep in mind, that I love um, Luke, when it talks about the woman with the issue of blood, it said that Jesus felt virtue. He had a heart of virtue. And he teaches us about this importance. And then he says, out of what? Your belly. Your heart is what defines your life. Your heart is what defines your life. Your heart posture right now is, def is defining how you're hearing this message tonight. So be aware that you're responsible for that. And also be aware, I mentioned it a, a while ago, that there, just the way this world functions, the enemy has access to try and get us to come into agreement with him. Even in Genesis 2. So as we grow, one of the marks that we're really growing, this is why you want to eat the word of God like you're eating food because you'll grow in the ability to discern. That's not God. 
So here's another thing. You have to be responsible for your own development. And sometimes it's these little, I, I, I remember many times, uh, you know, like, why do I just, like, I feel like unsettled right now. And Lord will bring me back to an hour before that or right the night before. See, that person said this little thing and you let a little fear come in your heart. Now it's something there. So you need to renounce that thing. So he still has access. And Linda, sometimes he speaks through other people. Sometimes he speaks through your own family members. And so be aware of that voice of intimidation. So it's the posture of a child. It's the poor in spirit, which is a posture of the child. What's a poor in spirit? A poor in spirit is someone blessed are the poor. What's simply poor in spirit? Poor in spirit is I recognize my need for God on a continual basis. I recognize my need for God. I, how, what's, one of the, what's one of the ways you recognize your need for God? Do you have a consistent life of constant surrender, the life of a learner in the kingdom of disciple is one who constantly learns, but one who is constantly, it's not just surrender one day, it's the continual choice. I'm a son, but I'm also a soldier in the army of the Lord. And I love this confession because he'll get you all the time with this one. Thank you, Lord. And so today I present myself as a living sacrifice. My life is yours to command. Your word is my highest value. Your, let, let my lifestyle fit into exactly how your word commands it. Let any area of untruth, unbelief, lie. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. So I don't know what I don't know. So, so show me areas of wrong thinking. You're invited in every area, the deep places of my heart. Because you said the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So now I invite you to that place. And whatever you want me to do, I'm in the army of the Lord today. And he'll take you up on it. You think you're going to do that? You're like, I don't want you. No, that doesn't make sense intellectually. So here's another point in, in being a constant learner. The life and the journey to continual growth is not an intellectual pursuit. The life and journey to be like Jesus and to be a continual learner is not an intellectual pursuit. It is one governed by revelation. Now listen to me. It is one where God does not need to explain to you intellectually what's taking place. And it's one where he will constantly be resetting paradigms. Paradigms are the confines by which you think. Hopefully, you're not thinking the same way you thought seven years ago because you've had knowledge, application, understanding, and now the ability to produce more fruit is hopefully apparent in your life. But the ability, and let me just also say this, this is really important, that this, God does not require you to understand everything. 
He actually doesn't even require you to be perfect. That's good news too. But the consistent learner, the one who's constantly growing, keeps following even when they don't understand intellectually. And let me tell you, when you really walk with the Lord, when you really walk with it, this is what I've learned. He will say things that offend you in a really great way. Because what you have to realize is he's not like, I want to remake language in the body of Christ. It's not radical what he's saying. It's just we're so close to being mentally ill. We think he's crazy. We're the one who's crazy that need to change. And so he's answering that prayer. That's why the presence is so important. You know, we're like, I'm all in, God. He goes, oh, you don't know how dumb you are, but I'm going to help you. I want to pick this up. I encourage you to read it. I know I've gone a while. I'm going to land the plane here. So look at John 6. I encourage you to read this. Verse 60, when they heard this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? He, he just told them that they must eat his body and drink his blood. Yeah. Knowing in himself that his disciples murmured about it, Jesus said, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Notice, even though he told them, I'm going to die, I'm going to run, they, it, they, weren't, they didn't understand everything he was saying. You'll see here, they kept following, but not everyone. It is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and their life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who, who, who would betray him. Then he said, For this reason I've said to you that no one can come to me unless he were given to me by the Father. From that time, now notice, these are not people who were skeptical. These are not people who had bad internet sites up about Jesus. Watch out for this man, speaking heresy. It says they were disciples. No, I want you to notice he, John calls them his disciples. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now, here's the key. You want to be in this group right here. So Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I want to suggest to you, though, that he probably does not know everything he's saying. He's just saying, all I know is that you are the way, the truth, and the life. All I know is I don't understand everything taking place here. I know the prophecy I got in the 10. I know what this says. And I know it's kind of all falling apart, but I'm going to keep following. You have to seal it. And this might be really challenging for some of you because sometimes the family that you grew up in you grew up in a family that generationally you give up on everything. 
The beautiful thing is God doesn't give up on anyone. So his expectation of you, and he'll give you the power to do it, is to keep following. The reason I, I make that point is offense will keep you from continual growth. Offense will stop forward progress. And I'm telling you, we are in a season of unprecedented encounter. We are in a season where there's going to be an unraveling. I just see like this scroll. Hey! This holy scroll that God wants to give Global River. But when that holy scroll comes in full matter, it will expose everything. One of the things I've learned about moves of God, he doesn't come for perfect people, but he does come to perfect all our stupidity. And so the move of God exposes all our insecurities, all of our biases. All of, I didn't think I was racist, but yeah, I don't like those people. Not you, the person way behind you, right? (laughs) And so what does he tell us? He tells us when he walked the earth. And I'm telling you, this is very prevalent. I don't think I'm arrived, but it's even very prevalent in the body of Christ right now. The religious spirit and the political spirit. He says, beware of the leaven of religiosity. Beware of that political thing. And you can be on the cutting edge in one season. That's why you have to keep the heart of the child. You can be on the cutting edge of what God is doing in one season, but be offended in the next. John, the forerunner, in prison. He sends his disciples to Jesus. And he says... Are you the, he preached, he's the one whose words, whose teaching was shifting and pioneering the greatest thing that ever came to earth. And it's teaching us, that's why he says, keep the heart of a child. It also shows us offense is not just disagreement with someone else. Offense can be anything. I see it manifest, offended at God, offended at this, offended at that. Disgruntled because it didn't quite work out the way I thought. And so it unlocks you into a place and opens the door for deception. And you will do things in the name of God. But they, they come to him, are you the Messiah? He said, tell John, the lame walk, the blind see. And the good news is preached. Then he says, and blessed, highly favored, and empowered to prosper are those who are not offended because of me. 
So I believe the Lord wants to, us to be positioned. And there's going to come an increase and a wave and an increase of all that. But realize the reason it comes because none of us is exempt from continual growth. The moment your heart is not postured in a place of growth, it's clear from Scripture you run the risk of relating to God through a religious spirit. And we're all susceptible to it. How do we know, right? Disciples of John, again, are fasting, and the Pharisees are fasting. See how that Pharisee thing tried to get upon the pioneers? They're fasting. We're fasting. Is it wrong to fast? No, you should fast, because Jesus tells us when you fast. So it teaches us. There can be seasons where you are engaged in a godly spiritual discipline and God has nothing to do with it. It's true. And so they come to him. They go, how come your disciples aren't like us? It's one characteristic of a religious spirit, right? Everybody's got to be the same. And he goes, guys, now is not the time to fast. And listen to also what he's addressing there. Torah, I believe, only gave actually two days where you had to fast. They had added because they, you know, they want to be spiritual, increase. I don't know. I fast more than two days. But the point is, he's saying, There's only two days. So he's challenging their preconceptions of what it means to be walking with God. It's the characteristic of a religious spirit. We've added and now we've made practice in the same standard as the Word of God. So, back to the story, right? He goes... You guys are, you, you're, you're disconnected from the season that you're in. This is a season of a wedding. Six days, seven days they celebrated as Jews. Nobody would ever consider fasting during a celebration. He goes, this is a season of celebration, but when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. Then he gives that, that, that analogy, right? He said, no one, puts new wine into an old wineskin. What's he saying? Somewhere along, it's not this full, a complete interpretation, but he's saying somewhere along the line, your thinking did not change according to what I was doing. You, you were pioneering in one season, but you didn't change. And now you're operating out of a religious spirit. No one puts new wine into an old wineskin. But notice too, he doesn't say old wine is obsolete. He just says the new wine sin contain the new and the old because God always builds the new from what he has already revealed. So what, what is really important too for us is in this move of God, it will be 
the Word and the Spirit. God will merge the two together as never before. God will bring alive truth that does not go beyond His Word, but brings new application of what He's always desired from the beginning of time. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you just receive this word, just lift your hands. Thank you for being patient. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Just lift your hands if you just received, just a sign of surrender to the word of God tonight. Lord, I, I've been as faithful as possible to deliver what you've given me tonight. Lord, I, I join with all these other hungry people tonight. And I just say, hey, teach us your ways, God. Hey, teach us your ways, God. You said, God, in the last days, there'd be a famine, not for the word of the Lord, but for a hearing. So, Lord, now I've done my best to deliver your word tonight. And I just say that it was sown on good soil tonight. And God, I just declare by the authority you've given me that there'll be an open door in heaven on these Friday nights as never before because these are God-ordained nights. I declare that the word of the Lord will run swiftly. I declare in the name of Jesus Christ, miracles will happen. Miracles will happen. I declare that there'll be a new normal based upon what you do in this tent. I declare from the north to south, the east and the west, the loss will come. I declare God apostolic preaching that like Peter, people will be cut to the heart in the name of Jesus. I declare revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is your children's bread, God. Would you increase your glory in these gatherings as never before? Would you come as you've promised to local assemblies as never before? Would you cause the ground to crack with an earthquake that is heaven sent for the glory of the Lord. I just want to pause here for a minute. If you, uh, if you want to just make a recommitment to the Lord, or maybe you said a prayer many years ago, but you know that you're doing things that are contrary to the will and the purpose of God for your life, you just know. You don't need a message, you just know. My life is not living according to the word of God. My life is not fully surrendered to. I said a prayer, I might talk in tongues, I might even be on the ministry team, but I know I'm not fully obeying in everything that I know, the word of God. No shame, no blame, but there's an invitation tonight. 
you just say tonight, tonight, with God's help, I want to fully surrender. One, two, three, just lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand. Thank you. Now keep your hand lifted, if you would. I saw a few hands go up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With your hand lifted, just stand on your feet all across this tent. If that's you, just stand on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, guys. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Komahashaya. Maya kiabohoshaya. I just want to lead you in a prayer tonight. If you stood, and those of you who have not stood, let's just join them. The Bible teaches. Yes, something you want to? Okay. The Bible teaches with the heart one believes, with confession, uh, confession is made unto salvation. So let's just all pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I declare with all my heart, you are Lord over all. Forgive me for any place. I'm not fully aligned with you. I renounce in the name of Jesus Christ any alignments, any belief systems, knowingly or unknowingly, contrary to God, His Word, and His nature. Forgive me, Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He came and lived on this earth like a man. He died and was resurrected and is the only one true God. And I declare he's Lord over my life. God, with your help, I want to live for you. And God, with your help, I will have multi-generational influence. My children's children will be affected by my choices. So I thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes me righteous and cleanses me from all sin. Help me, Lord. And teach me your ways. Now give God praise for that. Come on, give God praise for that.